You're listening to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast with your host, Letitia Ringe, and this is episode number 10. beautiful people. Welcome to episode number 10 on the Create a Life That is Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Letitia Ringe, and this podcast is designed to inspire, empower, and support you on the journey of uncovering your truth and purpose in the world. Today's episode is a very personal, heartwarming, and bold interview with my friend Jalinda Johnson about her journey to doing the work she does today as a fertility coach. Jalinda is a certified health coach and Beautiful You Life Coach, and she helps her clients maximize their chances of conception through diet, lifestyle, and very importantly, mindset. In this episode, Jalinda shares so openly about her personal fertility journey and also her journey to discovering her beautiful purpose, creating the work that she does today as a fertility coach. Prior to Jalinda's work in this area, she spent a decade working as a teacher. So this episode is also perfect for anyone who is in a career where they feel pretty entrenched, but know that it's not work that really lights them up. Importantly, we discuss how you might know that what you are doing currently is not your purpose. There are so many incredible topics covered in this episode, including Jalinda's own fertility journey and the fundamental role of self-love and surrender for all women and Jalinda's tips for preparing your body for a healthy baby. The importance of respecting women for the choices they make in relation to fertility and trusting themselves, sex, contraception, libido, and the problem with pill shaming, the very important role of joy on your fertility journey and life, the relationship between joy and gratitude, marriage, divorce, and relationships, the role an international move can have on your journey of discovering purpose, falling into a career that your family do the reality of the pain that can be involved in pursuing your purpose, the importance of prioritizing yourself and your own needs, taking your power back when it comes to your life and fertility, the need to surrender your attachment to how things show up in your life, Jalinda's four practical tips for helping to find your purpose, and the true power of makeup, clothes, and self-care. Jalinda has such a beautiful way of capturing the heart across all of these topics. I was so incredibly touched throughout this interview and this episode is perfect for all women, whether you're wanting to have children or not, or have no idea yet, because we dive into many topics that just aren't spoken about as women. And Jalinda provides so much useful information for any woman who is trying to conceive with a particular focus on self-love, self-care and honoring your body. This episode would also be really interesting for any men in your life or who are listening to get a better idea about the issues impacting women in terms of our beautiful bodies and issues concerning fertility. Now let's dive into the episode. Hi, Jo Linda. Welcome to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast. Thank you. I am so great to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. So if you don't mind, let's start with telling our wonderful listeners who you are and what you are in the midst of creating today. 
So I am a fertility coach and I help women maximize their chances of conception through diet, lifestyle and mindset. Um, I'm in the middle of creating my coaching business. I'm, I've just completed my first year um, and I am a certified health coach, a certified life coach. Um, and I use those skills as well as my what I've learned as a, as a teacher in my former career um, to really help empower women throughout their fertility journey so they can feel like they are, um, it's, it's interesting, so they can feel like they're in control on one hand, but that they can let go on the other. Mm -hmm. So that they are in, in a process of active surrender, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. how did you come to be doing this work? Well, after um, after I had my first son, um, which was very easy, I got I got pregnant with him on the first try, um, and that wasn't by accident. I was already uh, I, I had just completed my certification as a health coach, so I was very aware of the importance of preconception care, um, and I was following. I had been following. Uh, uh, let's say an ancestral diet, um, high organic diet, um, you know, no processed food, very low sugar, um, and, and no refined sugar. So, I mean, I, I had a lot of things in my favor, but, but mostly it was just very relaxed about the whole process and very in love, um, with a man who's now my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we just thought, well, let's see what happens. And, and it happened right away. Um, and it was a beautiful pregnancy. And, and at that point, I already knew, um, actually, before getting pregnant, that I wanted to work with women around that area of their lives. So uh, for, at that point, I didn't realize that fertility in itself is a whole universe. Mm. So I was thinking preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, you know, roll them all together. Um, I've since changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but um the, the aha moment happened when I decided that I wanted to have a second child and I suddenly um, became very overwhelmed by my need to have a second child. It was like something that um, I could not let go of. Uh, I was convinced that I had to be a mom again and I became very anxious about the entire process. So even though I hadn't uh, really changed very much since trying to have my first, I had completely lost my confidence in myself, my connection with my inner wisdom. Uh, everything became a big question mark. Am I doing this right? Am I eating this right? Should I, you know, um, because having my first child, um, who is currently my only child, really, took away my um, sense of trust <laughs> in myself. And um, because when you have a baby, it's all so new. And you, if you don't have uh, a strong foundation of self-love and self-compassion and intuition, which I did not, I had a lot of knowledge. I love outside knowledge. But I really had not established that feeling of, I know that this is right because I can feel it in my bones. 
and I know how to take the space out of my day to actually listen to what my soul is telling me. It was all, you know, facts and data and information and how can I best interpret it? But I really didn't have that, that ability to tap into what I thought was right. You know, so when I started getting all of this external information from, you know, people with advice or books or whatever, it just became very overwhelming, very fast. And and I felt the need to, in, in the case of trying for my second child, just do everything right and try to control an uncontrollable situation by trying to eat exactly the right things by, um, you know, sleeping exactly the right amount of time um, by tracking my cycle and watching for the ovulation peak. And and we weren't even trying. And I, <laughs> I, I honestly spent a year preparing to start trying. Wow. And, um, and ultimately, I realized that um, my obsession, because that's what it became, it became an obsession, uh, really was a means of distraction for what was going on in my marriage because I didn't want to see what was going on between my ex-husband and I at the time. So if I could just fixate on this other thing and make it all about, you know, my need to have a second child, then that was like, you know, putting blinders on um, to my relationship. And... Uh, so that's another part of it. But in this process of really just, it started as there's so much that goes into fertility that women don't know about. And who do they go to to get this information? Because um, most women don't want to talk about their fertility unless it's a medical issue. Um, and doctors really don't take the time to talk about your fears or your nutrition, or if they do get to that stage of nutrition, um, what's preventing you from eating a way that nourishes your body, even though you know how to eat, what's preventing you from carrying that out in your everyday life, um, your femininity or your ability to let go or, you know, the anger that you're holding in that's preventing you from enjoying sex mm. or any of these larger issues that play into fertility that um, just, you know, you, who do you go to? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, so, and so I thought this is, this experience, you know, is the universe's way of saying you have You've always been interested in this area. Now you know what it feels like to actually feel that pain. Because every time I ran into um, a mother that I had met through my son, through baby classes or whatever, you know, around 18 months, everyone started having their second. And um, it's something that you don't you don't know what it feels like until you are longing for a baby and you are... Um, in a situation where you get a pregnancy announcement or you run into a friend who's expecting that you haven't seen for a long time. And, and instead of feeling this feeling, you know, the joy, it's, it's physical pain. It's like a punch in the stomach. 
It's like you can't breathe for a minute and you smile, but inside it's like, why isn't that me? Mm. And I thought, you know, I've experienced so many aspects of the, the whole fertility um, issue. And, and also, even though I, I never experienced infertility, I did get in touch with that pain um, and that obsession and that, um, and that feeling of just being defeated and betrayed by your body um, through some other aspects of my life. And I thought, I need to combine all of this experience. And um, the only person that's stopping me is, is myself. And so I decided uh, in 2017, no, that's a lie, 2016, <laughs> sorry, um, 2016 to really devote myself to coaching as my profession and leave my job in teaching. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's, there's so much there. That's such a beautiful story. I think so many women can uh, relate. I mean, fertility is such a, it can be such a painful topic for so many women. And I think it's right. There is such, there's so much pressure on mm -hmm. the person and it's all on the woman or that's how they feel. And Mm -hmm. um, our obsession with knowledge and doing everything right, it really does take the fun out of the process. Yeah. And I think also we, we forget about, um, I had um, Anushka Florence on uh, one of our episodes and she was talking about when it comes to anything you're creating, a business, whatever, you know, it requires mm -hmm. a man and a woman. And she was talking about mm -hmm. it requires the masculine and feminine energy. And I think yeah. that's, you know, our bodies, they are designed to create, but we're so, for so many women, we're so in our masculine that we um, forget about how important it is to also be, you know, having that, using, having, using that connection, that intuition, mm -hmm. that, that receiving, that rest, you know, it's so yeah. important for the whole process. Yeah. And the, the womb is actually the seat of intuition. The seat of intuition, really? Yes. Yes. And so many of us, just ignore that part of our bodies or we um, talk negatively about it, you know, when, when we get our period. Um, so few women honor their cycle, you know, or when um, the time of bleeding comes, it's something that they, they either want to uh, completely avoid by certain, you know, hormonal contraceptive that gives them that opportunity or just, you know, hide away from um just in general there's so much about women's reproductive health that we do not feel comfortable having open conversations about and i really don't understand why in 2018 now I, i'm getting my years correct that, it, <laughs> that in 2018 the word fertility is still a taboo word yeah, you know, when I see campaigns about you know let's make fertility a word that isn't taboo, that we can talk openly about it, and I just think, really, we we still have to hide away from this issue, um, and you know I, of course, want to help women who are longing to become mothers, hold their baby in their arms and hear their child say I love you for the first time and. And know what 
that that feels like because it is um, an indescribable experience. But I also want women to feel like they are 100% okay if that isn't their choice to be a mother mm. or if it just never happens. Yeah. You know, that it's not some huge failing that maybe motherhood isn't in the cards, but oh my goodness, how else are they contributing to the world? And to not hide away from that. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, that goes back to, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Tudor times, you know, I, it goes way back in history with women, uh, if they weren't able to um, conceive or be fertile or, you know, have a son, they were, um, they were blamed and held responsible yeah. for that. And so I think that that goes like very deep into all of our genetics. Like, we, And it's so interesting that the word actually womb Mm. There, that is a taboo word. Like there is mm. so much. I've um, I've been to womb yoga, and yeah. I was really excited to go. And I so I was telling some of my friends, and I was really shocked with the reaction. And this is from women. I mean, I won't even talk about the guys, but yeah, women were just like, "What is that?" And it was such a um, just such a foreign uh, word to them and something that, you know, really didn't, they didn't want to speak about. And I thought mm -hmm. that was really interesting. Yeah. 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 I just think it's, well, what, before I, before I continue, I will just say, you know, it's really easy for me to say like, Oh, um, you should really f feel proud of yourself, even if you never have children. And, but there's still a part of me that has trouble letting go of the fact that, I chose to get divorced instead of having a second child and giving, quote unquote, my son a brother or a sister. You know, there's still this it's something that I that I constantly work through. I, I acknowledge it and I and I let it go. But, um, you know, the, as you said, there are these things that are just ingrained. And in my case, it was this reproductive story that I that uh, I developed in childhood that I since I'm an only child, I will have more than one child myself. Mm. And it's really hard to let go of that. And and it's something that, um, you know, psychologists who specialize in, in uh, infertility, you know, that's one of the things that it's the hardest things to, to work through is when you come to the realization that motherhood is not going to happen, and you have to let that go. I mean, it's it is heartbreaking. It is a process of continuous grief, mm -hmm. and um, I don't want to make light of it. But I also think that women need to um, support one another in their choices a lot more than we do, and uh, empower one another to feel like. You know, just because you don't have children, you are still more than okay. You know, that you're, you're not missing something. Um, you know, that you have a different lifestyle, but it's not a lifestyle of lack. Mm. Absolutely. And and that our body is being designed to create. I mean, we can use that not just to be creating life, but to be creating mm. in other ways. You know, yeah, we're, exactly. we're perfectly designed for that. 
Mm. But that connection to our cycle, I think that's a really um, important topic because, um, yeah, we are so, uh, as kids, I don't think we're given enough education about our cycles, like as women and even even um, boys, like they should, they should learn more about uh, the female reproductive system, I think as well. It's, you know, it's beautiful and so mm. delicate and there's so much to be learned. You know, everybody has some uh, women in their life. So it's important yeah. that we know about each other. And for me, I've found just connecting back to my own cycle and really um, becoming familiar with it and all the different uh, the different energies and powers that it has in each different phase and mm. honoring every single one of them rather than being like, oh, you know, I've got my premenstrual uh, symptoms again. I just want to hide. Uh, you know, why does this happen to me? And, um, and then when I'm menstruating, then to feel like, oh, you know, this is a, this is a, yeah, an icky thing. Uh, but mm. to really now see it as this is something really beautiful and, um, to really, yeah, just, just appreciate it. And I, I think definitely if you're on the pill, those different, those four different phases, um, are it's you're less able to understand them because it can be like you're just in one the whole time, but I think yeah, I you, still you don't experience them. Yeah, you don't experience them, right? Yeah, or yeah. So I think yeah. that that can be a problem for a lot of um, women, and, and also if you're coming off the pill right before you want to conceive, you know, your body has mm-hmm. uh, a period of adjusting, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. It's- one of these things you never know because I, I personally have friends who have gotten pregnant the first cycle after stopping the pill. And I also have friends who have gotten pregnant while on the pill. But the the average experience is that, you know, you need to wait at least three cycles um, for your cycle to get back to, to normal. But really with, with the pill, if you had uh, a regular cycle – with you know healthy bleeding and very few symptoms of PMS, um, and you follow a diet that respects your hormones and and nurtures your body, and you know chances are that your um, your body will return to its normal rhythm fairly quickly. But if you are taking the pill because you are masking symptoms that you're not really doing anything about in the meantime, then, you know, the pill is just that it's, it's, it's a cover Mm. for what's really going on. So you're going to have to deal with those issues when you come off the pill. And those are the same issues that are most likely going to affect your fertility. And they found that birth control actually, um, negatively impacts, um, levels of, vitamins and minerals in the body that are necessary for conception. So we know that it um, lowers levels of B6, for example, um, magnesium, uh, that it creates inflammation. So if, you know, you're, you're not uh, taking an omega-3 supplement to counteract that, then chances are you're going to have inflammatory issues as well when you come off the pill. And, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a pill basher because quite frankly, um, sometimes you don't want to, you know, you find yourself in a situation where your partner 
Well, I'm actually going to change that around because one thing that really irritates me is when um, people talk about, oh, because the man doesn't want to wear a condom. And there are a lot of women who really don't enjoy sex with a condom either. You know, it's um, yeah. it's our choice as well um, to experience sex in whatever way we want. And, um, you know, if you... If you choose not to use a condom, then you can use an IUD, but that can be quite scary because, you know, having something in your uterus, uh, you know, every day and, you know, moving around and it's just that idea sometimes is really off-putting, even though it, it might be perfectly fine and you won't experience any discomfort. Just the idea of having something permanently in your body, um, or at least for, you know, as long as you, you use an IUD can be really scary. Um, and hormonal birth control is something that most of us think very little about, you know, it's, it's something that we're given a prescription for and, and, you know, take these pills until you want to get pregnant and la-di-da. Um, and I do think that sometimes the pill is the best choice if you um, don't want to track your cycle. And that's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to track your cycle for birth control. For If you are in a situation where you absolutely can't get pregnant, you know, it's a lot of work to track your cycle every month and... Um, and so that you can, you know, actually trust in it 100%. And sometimes birth control is just, is the, the most sensible method. Mm. And I don't think that, because um, lately I, I'm going into this because lately I see a lot of pill shaming, mm. you know, that if you take the pill, you're, you know, you're turning off your hormones, you're not honoring your body, and, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, so what are you supposed to do if you're a young woman who absolutely does not want to, you know, apart from not wanting children, really can't have children in a situation where you cannot have children and you're, you know, in a relationship where you really like having sex, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what do you do? So I think the important thing is that if you do choose to be on the pill, then you, you know, look into um, supplementing um, with, with the, you know, zinc, magnesium, omega-3, um, magnesium, B-complex vitamins that you look at your diet and how that can support your, you know, the regular rhythm of your, um, of your hormones so that it's, it'll be easier once you get off the pill. Yeah, it's, it can be, it can be hard sometimes to, to make those choices. Um, because you, especially, I think it's, it's especially difficult when you know you want to have children someday, but that someday is very far away. So what do you, what do you do? Do you put everything on hold in the meantime for the baby that you may or may not want in 10 years, yeah. you know, if we're talking to someone in their mid twenties, do you start educating yourself as soon as possible about what's involved in, you know, each method of birth control? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
make educated choices. That's why I really think that, you know, women need to be their own advocates when it comes to birth control and fertility, because we're, we're so prone to just go to the gynecologist and whatever they say is what goes. Yeah, well, that's back, um, coming back to that piece about also uh, connecting to your own inner wisdom and what's right Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, I, I know you've got a, a fabulous ebook that people can download from your website, which gives, you know, your top 10 tips um, for fertility. Is there, mm-hmm. what would you say is like one of your top tips for um, anyone who is trying to conceive? Well, actively trying to conceive, I would definitely say know your cycle, um, know where your fertile window is so that you are having sex on the right days because 20% of couples who seek treatment for infertility actually just aren't having sex in the fertile window. Um, know your cervical mucus as well. That makes a huge difference because um, sperm need uh, the egg white cervical mucus to survive for up to five days. And if they don't have that, then they're not going to make it to the egg, even if it if you know it's there. Um, so know your know your fertile window and and be familiar with your cervical mucus. Um, that's that's a starting point. And uh, I love on your website something that you say, which I'm just going to read. Fertility mm. is and always will be more than just numbers on a lab report. A woman's fertility thrives on her ability to create, to grow, to receive, and to cultivate joy in all areas of her life. Mm. so yeah that's really beautiful I think and um, particularly the bit about joy mm-hmm. I think uh, <laughs> women in general uh, and no matter what stage they're at when it comes to uh, whether they're trying to conceive or or not um, we many of us or whether they're already you know a mother and have um, aren't looking to conceive any longer but uh, joy can be the bottom priority Mm. On our well, list. <laughs> Brene Brown says that you can't separate joy and, from gratitude. Yeah. That they go hand in hand. And I really think that when you are trying to conceive, it's so easy to focus on the one thing you don't have and to miss everything that's thriving in your life. And you can really cultivate joy when you... Uh, spend time each day focusing on everything that you currently have instead of what you are missing. Mm. I think that's really important because, uh, you know, I see so many couples who are thriving through infertility because they have that capacity to appreciate one another and the relationship they have without children um, and still, you know, experience life to the fullest as a couple, um, which makes, which makes it very different, um, from someone who is basically focusing all of their attention on trying to get pregnant while, not putting any of that positive energy into their partner and their and the relationship they have. And it's it's interesting because um, 
you know, it's a common misperception that infertility destroys relationships, but actually they found that there's not a, there's not a correlation between infertility and divorce rates. That couples who are strong before infertility will actually grow stronger together through the experience, mm. with, whether or not it results in children. So I think that um, well, yeah. that's something to think about. <laughs> Definitely. And I mm. love uh, that what, what you've said about um, joy and gratitude um, because I think that relates to any area of a person's life it's um, really easy to fixate on what we don't have and Mm. shifting our attention to everything that we do have everything we have to be grateful or appreciate uh, really takes the pressure off uh, which the ego likes to potentially fixate on a particular area of our lives what we don't have and Yeah. yeah it's usually when we you know just let it go that things mm. actually start to unfold in that area. So I think, yeah, that's really great advice for just ge- in general, um, mm-hmm. not just when it comes to fertility. So, Jalinda, you also had a whole career before this in teaching. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how do you think your experience there has you know, shaped what you're doing today? Well, I think that anyone who goes into teaching um, is you know, someone who enjoys being of service and connecting with people and uh, giving, um, creative. You know, a lot of teachers are really creative as well and um, co- constantly coming up with you know new content and new ways of exciting their students about a given topic and and connecting um with with people and their interests and I definitely bring those things into into my coaching um but for me teaching was something that I kind of fell into by accident (laughs) well that's so interesting yeah. that you use those words fell into because mm-hmm. I'm noticing a pattern in uh, all my work on, you know, finding a purpose and people um, being in a career where they may have dedicated, you know, like 10 years to and be successful. Mm-hmm. Everything's moving along well They're They feel, um, but they feel comfortable. They're mm-hmm. maybe in their zone of comfort or their zone of excellence to use Gay Hendricks terms, but um, not mm-hmm. in their zone of genius. And, and almost always it is something that they fell into in the beginning. Mm. Yeah. Well, in, in my case, um, so I went to uh, Columbia University in New York City, and, which is an Ivy League school in the States, very prestigious. And uh, when I graduated, I, the plan was to go to law school. And I was either going to be uh, an international lawyer because my, my major was uh, history with a specialization in uh, North Africa and the Middle East, mm. as well as Arabic and uh, Spanish. <laughs> and so, so my path was international law or the foreign service. I would, I would be a diplomat. But 
before doing that, I wanted to take some time off, which in my, um, you know, perfectionist type A world meant um, doing a master's degree while teaching full time to um, <laughs> low income students in New York City. <laughs> so, so I did that as a New York City teaching fellow. I, I taught for two years in Washington Heights. And, um, and actually, that's when I got back into my Spanish because I, I had switched from Spanish to Arabic um, midway through. Um, and my school was all Dominican and Puerto Rican. And so to communicate with the parents, I needed to, to go back to Spanish. Arabic didn't serve me at all. Um, and um, I really enjoy teaching. I, I have to say that I come from a family of teachers. So my, um, you know, my typical childhood uh, experience was to go to school and then be dropped off at my mom's school because she was an elementary <laughs> school principal. And I would stay at her school until, you know, around six o'clock in the evening and, you know, either do homework or help teachers or, you know, chat with them which is sure, you know, as, as a little girl as a precocious little girl I thought that I was you know entertaining them and they're probably just like I've spent my whole day with children please <laughs> um but anyway you know so my mother my mother had a doc well she has she has a doctorate in education my my grandmother was a teacher my aunt is a teacher I mean, I'm surrounded by teachers. So that was something that, you know, okay, I can be a teacher just for a little while while I figure out what I'm really supposed to do. And um, and actually, there's another part of this story which I can share, which I, I, I don't really talk about this, but um, after my first two years of teaching, I um, got engaged to a man that my father had uh, basically always thought of as his as the son he never had. Um, and I went back to Michigan um, from New York. So I left my life in New York City. I went back to Michigan. Um, and I was the plan was to marry this man basically to make my father happy. Mm. Um, and I realized as soon as we we're actually living in the same state that that wasn't going to work. And I called that off. Um, and then I decided, okay, I can't be in Michigan, but I've left my life in New York city. So the next step should be leaving the country. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I decided to move to a country I never even visited. Um, I came to Spain as, um, well, it's it, through the Council on International Education Exchange, and they pair teachers with master's degrees uh, with uh, schools who want to develop bilingual programs. And um, that's how I, I came to Spain, to uh, Jaén, which is not where I live now in Barcelona. Um, so Jaén, the capital city, is 100,000 people. Um, it's the smallest city I've ever lived in in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and um, and there I realized that um, you know teaching was definitely um, something that I still enjoyed, but that it was kind of a means to an end. I just didn't know what that end was mm. because I always felt. Um, and I should say that, you know, after Chayen, I moved to Barcelona and I continued teaching for another six years. Um, but this whole time, I always felt like, not that I was, um, that I wasn't living up to my potential, because teaching is really an, an honorable profession. Mm. But it was just that I wasn't living in my purpose. That... Um, I was being called to something else and I was, it really just felt like I was too afraid to explore what that could be. Um, and the things that I had been, you know, groomed for, so to speak, after a certain time just didn't make sense anymore. Um, when I moved to Spain, because the lifestyle is just so much different, it really gave me a lot of time that I had never had before and space to think about what do I really want to do with my life? And that sounds very romantic, you know, like sitting in the Spanish sun and thinking, oh, what's my next step going to be while sipping sangria? and <laughs> Having some tapas. <laughs> but it was actually a very painful process. And I think that um, anyone who is feeling called to something more would agree that it's not pleasant because you are really being called to give up the life that you know for something that you have never experienced before and you have to put your entire faith in in something that you can't see yet um and and it's also you know just even getting to that point of I know that I meant for something else, but what is it? Yeah, what is it? I know. <laughs> I spent so many, and I'm talking years, Yeah, with feeling of, I know that I meant for something else, but what the hell could it be? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so frustrating. And then finally, you know, the pieces came together and I had this light bulb moment and I just went... I went all in and it involved um, leaving my teaching career. It involved leaving my ex-husband because he he was a major block to my progress. Um, and just, I'll just add something about our relationship because I think it's, it's something that I haven't been able to talk about publicly, but... I really, I think it's really important for women to hear is that um, my ex-husband was the personification of my inner critic. And it's really easy to be comfortable in a relationship, even if it's with someone who isn't very nice to you. <laughs> mm. It's very easy to be in a relationship if that's what you are, um, if that's how you're talking to yourself. You know, it, sometimes it's really um, more difficult to be with someone who sees 
the good things about you that you're unwilling to accept about yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And basically what happened there is that um, as soon as I realized that I was this beautiful, intelligent, strong um powerhouse (laughs) (laughs) and that he was unwilling to accept that you know um I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't be with him anymore because the the more I expanded the more he tried to confine me Mm. and um you know it's it's something that uh I, I learned I learned a lot about the importance of self-love um, through that relationship because I did not love myself when we got married or when, when we met. I did not love myself. I can say that. Um, and it's amazing what you will accept from other people when you are coming from a place of, um, of self-hatred. Mm-hmm. You really cannot expect anyone to love you more than you love yourself and you cannot I think the really important thing especially in terms of fertility is that you cannot love your children more than you love yourself you can't give them what you cannot give if you're incapable of loving yourself you can't expect to give them a a higher level of love Mm. than you can give to yourself so when you're preparing for motherhood you know if if you are not willing to kind of shine a light on those areas of self-love, self-compassion, don't expect to have them magically appear once you get pregnant and once you have a baby, because they don't. Um, and I can I can speak from personal experience with that. I did a lot of work um, once my son was born, um, of course, I've always loved my son to bits, but, um, you know, I remember when he was a baby and the things that I regret most about that first year, I was constantly focused on, um, is he reaching his milestones? Is he, um, doing this exactly the right time? How is he measuring up to the other babies, you know? Because that's how I always thought of myself. Because I hadn't gotten to this point where I, Jolinda, was okay just because I was Jolinda. Mm. You know, I couldn't be okay unless I was doing something, accomplishing something, reaching something, checking something off a list. Mm-hmm. And I, I used that same mindset. Of course, this is something that I that I've realized in hindsight. But I was using that same mentality towards my son. Mm. And instead of just being able to embrace that time of motherhood, I was constantly thinking of, you know, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Um, You know, focusing on my mistakes, being very unwilling to forgive myself for, um, you know, something that I had perceived as doing wrong. Um, You know, these are things that really should be worked on um before having kids but so so <laughs> few of us do but so few of us do and um and so i think that it can it can seem like it's taking forever to get pregnant and that that time is just like you know 
it's never going to come. But you can flip that around and think, wow, I have this time to really prepare myself for the experience of motherhood in a completely different way, to work through my issues of self-love, self-acceptance, forgiveness, um, resentment, um, sexuality, sensuality, creativity, mm. passion. I can, I can focus energy on all of these things in preparation for having a baby. You know, it's not just about taking your prenatal vitamin and, um, and as I, you know, you asked me what's the most important thing. And yes, to get pregnant, it really is important to know your fertile window and to, to, to be familiar with your cervical mucus. But you can do those things and not get pregnant and feel completely infertile because you're just not devoting any energy to those things that are um, filling your soul, that are helping you to connect to that expansive, flowing, feminine energy that um, is a life force for, for all of us. And that's the experience that I had when I was doing everything just right in terms of you know, taking my prenatal vitamin, following the perfect diet. And yet I was walking around with this pit in my stomach every day. You know, if you think of babies as, as souls who are looking for a place to land, you know, they, there's a book called Fertile Female and um, by Julian Dechovin, she talks about how maybe babies are the ones who are waiting for us. Mm. Maybe babies are the ones who are waiting for us to make changes so that they can be welcomed. And, you know, why would a baby want to come into a womb that, in my case, was just completely closed shut because I was so stressed out and unwilling to just let things go, mm. you know? Um, and so... I think that the time leading up to conception can be a time of great, um, you know, stress, anxiety, frustration, pain, grief, if, if you want it to be. But it can also be a time of um, really a time of self-discovery mm. and a time of... Uh, greater connection with your partner, uh, a time of really heavy self-care, you know, devoting the time that you need to figure out how your body works, how to nourish your body, and, and not eating a fertility diet because it's going to get you a baby, but eating a fertility diet because that is the way to care for your body as a woman. You know, that it's not a punishment, that it's not, it's not, okay, I'm going to follow, I'm, I'm going to follow this diet until I get my period. And then when I get my period, I'm going to binge on sugar and alcohol. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not something that, that stops because you don't get pregnant. It's something that you're, it's an, a long-term investment because the goal is not a positive pregnancy test. The goal is a healthy baby. And so all of that, you know, we know so much about how the quality of your eggs influences the health of the pregnancy and you know the health of a pregnancy really depends on three what was going on in your body three months before conception 
So it's just this this ongoing thing of of honoring your body, getting to know your cycle, nourishing yourself, um, and you know, nourishing yourself with food as well as those things that just really light you up and 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 fill your soul on a daily basis. Um, but to figure that out, so many of us need time and space and someone who supports us in that endeavor. And that's why I am a fertility coach, because that's what I give to my clients. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that time and space for when it comes to self-love or you know self-care or even just um, uh, using, tapping into that feminine energy is what's so important, just having the space for all of that. Um, because, and I think this, this is really important for relationships as well. When, um, we're in at work all day and we're so much in our masculine because we're doing, 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 it can be really hard to then go home and switch into, into that feminine, which is for women is so important when it comes to even things like having sex, you know, it's so hard to switch. Um, really it is, it's switching from masculine to feminine. And that's mm-hmm. why for, I think for a lot of women, it's, um, yeah, it could become quite distant. Yeah. The feminine, yeah. it's not necessary for work. Well, <laughs> also this idea that if I do, you know, when we're so used to uh, making a plan and following a strategy and checking things off a list and getting the end result. And unfortunately, a lot of times fertility doesn't work that way. You know, um, you can put in your best effort, but in the end, you need to surrender your attachment to the results because there is something at work that's beyond our control. And we all have our own path. And sometimes that path um, will involve getting pregnant right away. And sometimes that path will involve getting pregnant after four IVF cycles. And sometimes that path will involve using donor eggs um, because you have premature ovarian reserve. Um, And so the most important thing I think is to just really remain open to what your, where, to where your fertile journey can take you. You know, that it might not be exactly as you pictured, but that doesn't mean that um, you'll never experience motherhood in a different way because there are so many ways of being a mother um, aside from just, you know, getting pregnant with your fully biological child through, you know, having sex and, and mm. you know, this day and age, we have so many other options, but you have to remain open to those options as you as you continue forward. Um, because I see a lot of women get stuck in that, you know, that they they have decided that they will have a baby only in one way, and if it doesn't work in that one way, then then you know it's not happening. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that. Um, you know, let go of the how how things Mm. should happen. I think that's beautiful advice, surrendering our attachment to the results. Mm. Very beautiful. Can I I just say that, um, you know, I, a a few years ago, 
all I wanted was to have a second child. And I thought, you know, how can I have a second child with this, with this man that I, I can no longer sustain a relationship with. And I could have, um, you know, we, we had everything set up to, to have another baby. I could have just covered my eyes and put my head down and, and had a second baby just because I wanted a second baby independent of my relationship. But instead I chose myself and my, you know, cause I knew that I wanted my son to see his mother in in a happy, healthy relationship. And my point in this is that I now am with someone <laughs> who has a son of his own and um, the four of us live together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. So I, the universe did give me another child, yeah, you know, it's so not a child that, that came out of my womb, but <laughs> it is someone that I share my life with who I absolutely love and adore. And, um, and so does my son, you know, so you really have to, you have to choose yourself and just have faith that um, everything will, will work out, you know, but sometimes it just involves going after what you really want, even though, as you said, you don't know what the how is going to look like. You just know, you just know what you want. And then, you know, just have to keep saying yes to the opportunities that are presented to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, if we focus on the how, we actually limit ourselves into how things can happen because that how is usually based on uh, past experience or something we've seen in others, and and so it's limited. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's great advice. Is uh, in terms of advice for um, someone who might be in another career but feeling that feeling that calling for something else that they don't have any idea what it could be. Um, is there any advice you would give them? Hmm. Um, I think that journaling is a really good place to start. Um, one of my favorite exercises is morning pages, um, by the artist way, Julie Cameron, the artist way, where you write three, uh, pages longhand first thing in the morning and that can give you some glimpses into uh, what needs to be uncovered. <laughs> mm. um, I also think that you need to pay attention to the things that just spark your interest, you know, in general. Um, maybe you're not thinking of, the, thinking of them in the context of a career, but what, it, what really excites you and what mm, ignites your passions. And you can see how that might be giving you clues to what your future profession might be. Um, connecting with women that you admire and respect and, and talking to them about how they got to where they are. Mm. Um, 
because women are women who are confident in their purpose are always willing to help other women reach theirs. That's beautiful. And I think so true. So true. Three beautiful pieces of advice, I think. It's so great. And I love the morning pages. It's such doing Mm. first thing in the morning. There's really something about that before you've been affected by the day. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think that the the last piece is to, you know, what we were just talking about, um, have faith, Mm -hmm. you know, have faith that um, you are on to something. You know, when you start getting an itch, um, in my case, I often feel like I'm like containing something <laughs> that's about to burst out. Yep. Um, when I when I feel like it's time to go to the next level, I I, I start getting a, physically uncomfortable. You know, like okay, I am holding myself back. It's time to <laughs> move to the next level. Um, and if you're feeling that way, um. And actually, you know what, I, I, I've read this and it's something that I've experienced myself. Um, how are you living your life right now? Because if you're involved in a lot of activities that are basically just meant to take you out of um, the the experience of living itself, you know, that, that help you to zone out, Mm. that help you to disconnect. What are you disconnecting from? Mm. You know, if you, if you notice that you can watch TV for hours on end, um, or that you really just need a drink like on a regular basis, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, or that you're, coming home from work and it's just, it feels like such a relief to finally be done. Um, and you resist going, you know, like those, those are all signs that you're probably meant for something else. It's just a matter of, um, widening the lens and, and taking risks and basically just saying yes to something that right now might not make sense, but in five years from now, will feel like, okay, that was the best decision of my life. Um, and I think that if, if, if um, one of your concerns is, oh, but it's going to take so much time to, you know, uh, I have a friend who at 40 decided to go back to um, medical school and is about to finish her um, last year of med school. And, you know, at the time, people said, it's going to take you so long to be a doctor. Don't you realize how old you are? Um, Why would you leave your career in PR to be a doctor? You know, but it was always her dream. And the time is going to pass whether you're doing what you love or not. (laughs) I mean, five years is going to pass in the job that you hate or pursuing your passion. So, you know, yeah. What do you want? 
<laughs> That's so powerful. And I just, all, everything that you've just said there resonates for me and my own personal story. Um, mm. That feeling of relief when you come home from work, um, the drinking to have fun because, mm-hmm. you know, my life wasn't fun. The yeah. endless watching of TV because I was living vicariously through other people who I didn't mm-hmm. even know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also that that feeling of, oh, I just, uh, it's too late to start something new. You know, I can't pivot. Mm-hmm. I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> For me, I was yeah. only like 25 at that time. How ridiculous is that? But just, mm-hmm. you know, it's never too late to start. And, um, you know, we're, we're constantly growing and expanding. So there's going to be, we're always going to be wanting to start new things and pursue new desires. So I think money you can get back, but time you can't. So, you know, follow those calls and also Mm -hmm. what, what you're creating, like, look at you, look at what you've created and the people that you're helping. If you hadn't have done that, we all wouldn't have the benefit of all this, amazing work and support that you're going to provide people so oh, thank you <laughs> I my, think it's so important my what I'm really being called toward now um you know a, apart from helping women to feel empowered in their fertility journey and have the best chances possible at becoming mothers is to really bring attention to fertility in general and to not make it something that um, we only talk about when we're in a crisis situation, you know, that we know these things about our bodies well before we're ready to have children. Um, Because I think that most, most women don't really pay much attention until they hear the, the baby call, you know, (laughs) or the, the alarm from, you know, our biological clock. And all of a sudden it's, Oh, you know, let me, let me, my cycle, what, um, (laughs) you know, oh, my, you know, my, my uterus or my, you know, (laughs) how do, you know, ovaries, follicles, what, what, you know, what are they? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just amazing how we spend so many years just taking these really, for me, beautiful um and very elaborate biological processes for granted you know and we just expect everything to run smoothly and when you realize what goes into um having a regular cycle and conceiving a healthy baby you just think what yeah <laughs> incredible and that's something that happens every day oh my gosh um I just find the whole process fascinating it is from a a biological standpoint absolutely Mm. so uh our last three questions that I have for you is just shifting gears slightly but I always love to ask people this is usually my first question to people when I meet them it is what are you loving at the moment Mm, what am I loving at the moment? <laughs> I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be bold. I'm I'm loving my sex drive. Really? I'm loving my sex drive. At um at 35, 
um, with a man that I'm crazy about, and he knows that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just something I I appreciate more and more, and it and it really doesn't have to do so much with him as with my. um, I, I feel like I have rediscovered my body, and I spend so much time just loving myself Mm. and treating myself, um, spending time naked, dancing in the mirror, Mm. um, putting on essential oils and, and just, just relishing in, in this. And I don't have the perfect body by any means, but it's mine. Yeah. It's my body. And, um, it's the only one out there. And, I really think that that has been the biggest difference to um, to my libido in the last few years is that one, I I am loving my body every day, and I'm with a partner who um, does as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that likes to share that with me. So um, yeah, that's what I'm loving at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and I love the what the things you mentioned. It's all about um, you know touching on all five senses. You know the pleasure <laughs> principle. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Um, feminine power mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. uh, what do you have any rituals that you use maybe on a daily basis or just regularly? Rituals. Um, I think that my steadfast ritual would be um my morning routine um well i do i would like to say that i have uh a morning routine like in hell hell elrod's miracle morning but i'm not referring to that um although i have practiced that and my productivity has gone way up. <laughs> a lot of times a lot of times my my three-year-old son has other plans and he interrupts that but um <laughs> Uh, or sometimes I'm taking client calls at five in the morning. So um, anyway. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but that time that I have um, when I take my shower and I get out and I really like listening to music as I'm getting ready. Um, right now I'm, I'm, I've rediscovered Diana Ross. I'm in a Diana Ross kind of, kind of mood. Oh. Um, if you're having a bad day... <laughs> you know I I just I um uh on Friday I was recovering from a root canal and I all I wanted to do was stay in my pajamas curled up on the couch not go out and um you know there are certain times when you need to respect that need but I thought no I'm going to try to get out of this I'm just gonna try to lift this funk and you know, taking a shower, listening to um, to Diana Ross. Um, I'm coming out specifically. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the trumpets always get me. <laughs> and and my, I use frankincense and myrrh on my face and vitamin E. So my, my uh, moisturizer is jojoba oil with a drop of frankincense, a drop of myrrh, and um, uh, a bit of vitamin E from a capsule. I open the capsule and I, I use some of it on my face, 
some of them on my lips and some of them on my hands. And, um, and then I put on my makeup. And makeup is something that I did not use for a very long time. And now I just love it, quite frankly, because even though I don't wear makeup, when I don't wear makeup, I still see a beautiful woman in the mirror. But when I put on my makeup, it's like this extra sparkle that I give to myself. You know, it's like this, yes. this extra commitment that I make to just really play with my best features. And, and I think it's just, just about uh, putting in that extra time that's just for me um, and not for anybody else. And I really, uh, I find that when I do those things and I put on my best, you know, lacy bra, I really am a proponent of filling your, you know, lingerie drawer with things that make you feel beautiful and powerful and sexy. And that usually isn't a cotton underwire, you know, no underwire bra. <laughs> you know it um, does it really does and that is that is my my ritual yeah i, I love that i i also just i love getting dressed up and putting on mm. makeup and doing my hair yeah and that's something yeah. i've been trying to make more of a conscious effort to do on the reg <laughs> yeah well uh, the thing is that we need to do it for ourselves exactly so, so many women don't do it unless they need to you know, impress somebody else, but it's not about impressing anyone. It's about impressing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you can't expect to feel your best if you're not putting in that effort to do so. I mean, it, it would, I fully accept myself with no makeup, you know, no clothes, just me. I fully accept myself in that way. But, um, I also really enjoy putting in that effort to be the woman that I want to share with the world, you know, that I, um, I, it's more of, it's more of, um, finding those things that make you feel your best and just doing them every day unapologetically. You know, you don't need to wait for a special occasion. If you feel sexy and brave and beautiful in a certain dress that you save for special occasions, then stop wearing it for special occasions and start wearing it more often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we feel like, okay, well, I'll just wear my same old, same old because that's, I'm not going anywhere, you know, or, but you don't need you don't need to go somewhere to clothes have such an incredible power to activate feelings within us and makeup does the same and uh, essential oils do the same and any, any self care practice that you connect with will do the same. And, it, and that's really what it's about. It's taking care of yourself and nurturing yourself just like you are constantly doing for everyone else. Yeah. You know, making yourself a priority. 
Yeah, and well, it's it's inspiring as well. It's just like your environment when you when it's nice and you know you've got your fresh flowers and uh, anything exactly. else that you enjoy, your candles. It's just more inspiring. The other day, I actually I had I'd been out and then I had lipstick on and I was mm. going for a run and I just was like, you know what? I'm going to keep this on because I feel good with it on. I like how yes. I feel. I feel confident. And I went for a run and I swear my running was just so much more like liberating the whole experience. <laughs> it was beautiful. And so now, yeah, yeah I'm, I think wearing lipstick while running is, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. No, you know, I, I have flowers behind me now. I, I, um, was recently on the cover of Inspired Coach magazine, and to celebrate that, I brought I bought myself a dozen pink roses. Mm. I did that for myself because I don't need to wait for someone else to buy me what I know that I want. You know, yeah. so so often we wait for other people to, you know, guess what it is we want. <laughs> Yeah. And to give us, and then we are disappointed when they don't because they're not mind readers. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, and we can so easily just give ourselves permission to get the flowers, to buy the uh, expensive dress, or to take the trip. You know, it's if we have the money, which most of us as, you know, independent women, we, we have our own bank accounts and we have the means, but we're so unwilling to give ourselves permission and say that um, it's okay to not be self-sacrificing all the time, that it's, it's okay to reward ourselves, to celebrate ourselves, to invest in ourselves. Mm in big and small ways. Yeah, I agree. Investing in yourself, uh, no matter how that looks, is so important and very um, empowering for yeah. sure. Okay, well, my last question for you is just what's in store for Jalinda in 2018? <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, more individual clients, um, but I would also like to launch my first group program. Um, I would really like to start working with women all over the world in in groups of um, eight max. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really kind of I'm thinking of calling it a fertility mastermind. Mm where we could really um, look at certain issues, you know, each week and or every two weeks and share our experiences and really um, progress together. Um, so I think that there's so much that can be done working with clients individually, but collectively when we get a group of women together, it's just a, a power that is inaccessible in any other context. Um, so that's something that I have in mind. Um, and I would like to do more writing. Um, I've, I've been working on my own blog again lately, but um, I'd like to do a lot more writing for uh, third parties. And um, 
Yeah, just concentrating on um, on my mission of helping women feel like they are participating in the making of their miracle mm. and that it's not something that they, that they have to just wait around for um, without any knowledge or just feeling like everything's every all the decisions are being made for them that they have the power to make decisions as well and that they they can really be part of the, the whole process from start to finish um yeah I, I just want every woman who feels called to motherhood to be able to experience that in whatever way she's meant to and um that's that's my goal <laughs> mm. Well, that's so beautiful, and I, I I understand what you say about the power of women in um, in a group. I think mm. that will be a wonderful program, and I can't wait to see it. And you know, just again, I just want to really thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, I'm so like just so honored to be able to share your story. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable with us today. I think this is just going to really touch so many people's hearts and yeah, it, it's been, and it's been an absolute honor. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Letitia, really. Thank you so much for inviting me. So there it is, my friends. If you have managed to listen all the way to the end, what an incredible conversation that was. I absolutely agree that we really need to stop limiting ourselves on how things appear in our life. This is one of the key steps in manifesting because opportunities present themselves to us every single day. But if we are too focused on something only showing up in a particular way, we won't notice it when it comes to us via another route, which might be a million times better than the way we thought it should be anyway. And if you're someone who is feeling that call to expand or to search or to find what your purpose in life is, please trust that call and give yourself the best environment to figure out what to do with that call. If you didn't listen to episode number nine, I go into great detail about the environment or the best environment for discovering and showing up for your purpose. So have a listen there because it's really helpful. And I also just wanted to mention that the creator life that is beautiful philosophy is that purpose underpins all aspects of our lives, all different areas. It's so essential. And at the same time, there are many other topics that are essential for purpose, like self-love. And today's interview has been a really great example of that, of self-love. So I hope that you've really taken some notes about some of the suggestions Jalinda made when it comes to self-love and nurturing our bodies and caring for ourselves, because this is also super relevant for you on your search for purpose. And if you are just ready to get started and step up and find what your purpose is, or maybe you know what it is, and then you've got the trouble of figuring out how you show up and not uh, falling behind all the fear that will come up as you start to take more risks and do something that's more uncertain, uh, please get in touch with me uh, to find out about my one-to-one coaching offerings. 
This is the area that I specifically focus on. We also cover other areas in your life as well. Uh, but this is the focus and I would love to meet you if that is something that you really want support with. I think investing in yourself, as we mentioned, is just and and in this way is just such a beautiful example to yourself of what you're capable of. It's empowering and it is so incredibly important to have support around you. And that's what you get through life coaching. So there you go. There is an offer for you. And you can also find Jalinda's website over at www.jalindajohnson.com or connect with Jalinda on Instagram or Facebook at Coach Jalinda. And don't forget to check out her ebook, which you can download via her website with her top 10 tips for fertility. You can also find the show notes for this episode over at www.letisharinch.com forward slash Jalinda Johnson. Now, what's next? Well, I am currently, as this is out into the world, on my way back to my hometown in Sydney, Australia from London for a visit. And I'm so excited to catch up with, of course, my friends and family in Sydney, but also to meet some of the new connections I've made uh, online. And these people are based in Sydney. So I'm really, really excited for that. I will be back next week with another conversation for you. And in the meantime, if this podcast is providing you with any value, please make sure you leave a review on iTunes and get in touch to let me know how you're doing. I also have my weekly newsletter, which you all you need to do is subscribe for that via my website. And when you get that, you also get access to my 21 week program which is about creating a life that you love, enjoy, and are inspired by. And you can do that at www.letisharinch.com. And uh, just so you know, the weekly newsletter, every week I share some further inspiration or resource to help you discover and show up for your purpose and create your happiest, healthiest, and most fulfilled life. For daily inspiration, you can also connect with me on Instagram at create a life that is beautiful. Have a wonderful week, my friends, and see you next week for our next episode to help you unlock your truth and purpose.